Well, I do invite you this morning to take out your Bible, opening to Psalm 125, as we come together for prayer, as we come together just to fellowship with our God, who has made himself accessible to us through his Son, Jesus Christ, through his blood. We can't help but think of that Revelation chapter 8 passage that's, that talks about the prayers of the saints, the prayers of God's imperfect people, the imperfect prayers of God's imperfect people being brought onto the altar of Jesus Christ and Christ, our mediator, taking what we do this morning, perfecting them, and taking them to our King. This is no small thing that we gather to do this morning. So Psalm 125 will be our guide. Let's look at this text together. Psalm 125, verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hand to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Well, what's going on here? Let's keep in mind as we look at this, just a few words this morning to kind of help us even as we pray together. The psalmist, these are a collection of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. The psalmist has made his way from his homeland, made that journey to Jerusalem, all for the purpose of worship, for gathering together to worship God. And at this point, Psalm 125, he's, he's arrived in Jerusalem, he's in the temple, they've begun worship. And what's unique about this psalm, each of these psalms now gives us a different dynamic of worship that's taking place corporately. What we find here is that for the psalmist, even as he's gathered corporately for worship, even as he's worshiping God, in his mind, even at that moment, he is very conscious of trials and hardships and evil and wickedness going on in and around him. He's very conscious of the fact, even as he's worshiping, that, that things are not as they should be. And this is on his mind, and it's a burden to him. He's concerned about it. And I bet if we're honest this morning, we can sympathize with that. I bet as we've gathered together this morning that we realize, as we've driven here this morning, we've arrived, we've begun the prayer meeting, it is part of our experience on Sunday mornings when we gather together that we come together for worship, but when we come, there are trials and hardships and afflictions and difficulties in us and around us, in the world in which we live. There are crooked people who abound around us, and they're overwhelming to us. And that's kind of the common experience of every child of God. We worship God even as our minds are very aware of these things going on around us, but also in us. And I think that's, again, one of the values of the Psalms. And while, at least in this season, we're using the Psalms as a guide for prayer because they speak very helpfully to the realities of our own lives. Here's a man who is worshiping God. He's singing God's praises. He's praying to God. He's in the presence of God, but even at that moment, he's aware of all these things going on and around him. And that's likely the case with you this morning. How many of you, in these first few opening minutes of the prayer meeting, you're, you're here for prayer meeting, but you're finding it very difficult to concentrate? Yeah, maybe it's because I'm not helping. 
But maybe it is also you're very much aware of things you got going on this afternoon, important things. Trials, hardships, afflictions, something that's going on this week, something that's happened this past week, and you've gotten yourself out by the bed, you've come on in here, but man, you're very much aware things are not as they should be. Your mind is preoccupied with other things. Well, Psalm 125, I think, is a help to say no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, including the psalmist of 125. That this is a reality of living in a wicked world. But what does he do with that? What does he do with those, can I call them distractions? Well, verses 3 and 4, he turns them into prayer. That's exactly what we've come together to do this morning. He turns them to the Lord in prayer. And notice that the prayer, which actually comes in verse 4, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. That prayer is actually based on a biblical promise that he's reminding himself of in verse 3. He's aware of wickedness going on in and around him. And in verse 3, he rehearses a biblical promise. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands and do wrong. Well, how does he know that? Where, where does he get that kind of insight that the, 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 the scepter of wickedness will not definitively rest? I'm aware of it. I see it going on. But it will not rest upon the people. Where does he get that from? Promises of God. The Bible. He's rehearsing the promises of God to battle the things that are distracting him away from God. And he's turning those promises to God in prayer. And that's what we see in verse 4. And I think there's something helpful for us this morning in our prayer meeting. As we gather together, yes, we pray individually and privately in our homes. And when we come together, this is a different type of animal, a different type of beast. We come together to, with united hearts around a common theme, a common goal to seek the face of God together. Turning the promises of God into prayers. So we read God's word, we meditate upon God's word, upon its message, and we just simply take it and pray it back to God. And I know this morning, if you come in and I come in like this psalmist, I'm here, I'm going to sit through it, but my mind is uh, it's all over the place. I'm trying, I'm fighting hard to focus upon God, but man, I've got just so much going on. And I find it difficult to pray. I find it difficult to really participate in this. Um, maybe you're nervous about praying. Maybe you're thinking, I just, I'm not in a place I think I can pray this morning. I would simply urge you, do what the psalmist is doing here. Just take the promise and pray it to God. And it may, it may be a three, four second prayer. That doesn't, it's not how long we pray. It is we are fighting to fellowship with our God. To commune intimately with him. That's what the psalmist is doing. So if you're here this morning and uh, maybe you're one who's just not comfortable praying in the prayer meeting. You just don't know where to start. Can I urge you? Maybe that's a very simple way to begin. Take the promise of God in verse 3. And just lift it up to Him. And what is it He's praying for? Verse 4, Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. He's aware of evil and wickedness and He feels overwhelmed by it. Maybe even that it's going to overcome him. And his prayer is, O oh Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. Well, what is he asking for there? It's not material blessing. Do good, heal us, 
fix this, fix that. That's, that's not necessarily what he's praying for here. What he's praying for here is in line with all of biblical revelation. Do good to us. What does it mean for God to do good to us? What is the best thing God can do for us? It's give us Christ and then conform us into his likeness. And that's what this prayer is. Do good to us. God, conform us to the image of Christ. We've gathered together in your presence for a reason, for a purpose. This is a means of grace that you have given to us to show us yourself and for us to gaze upon you. And what is the fruit of gazing upon him? We read in, in Corinthians, to become like him. We become conformed to his image. And the prayer here is conform us to the image of Christ. That would be the best thing you can do for us as we gather. And as we prepare to go back into a world where the things that distract me this morning, they're still there. The afflictions, the hardships, the things I don't even know are going to come. How will I best handle those this week? Make me like Jesus. <laughs> that will best equip me for that and those things. And so, think about how God often does that. How does it God conforms us to Christ? It's by gazing upon him. But he also uses things like suffering to make us more like Jesus. Diseases to make us more like Jesus. Sometimes grief and suffering and loss. These are tools that our God uses to empty us of ourselves and to make us more like Jesus. And so sometimes our prayer should not be, God, heal us. Or, God, fix this situation. Don't mishear me. I'm not saying that, that it's wrong to pray. I'm saying maybe our prayer ought to transcend that and understand, God, we do pray for healing only after you have accomplished what you intended this to accomplish. If suffering is a means to make us like Jesus, if hardship is a, is a, a, a means of grace to make us more like Christ, if grief is a... Then, then Lord, we, we pray it would not go away until it has accomplished the good that you intended for your glory and for our joy. This is what John Newton was talking about, and I'll close with this before we sing. John Newton penned this poem and it was put to music. John Newton, we're going to sing one of his songs later this morning, Amazing Grace. He said this in this poem, I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace. Might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. That was his prayer. And then John Newton answered, God answered that prayer. And here's how. It was through trials, and crosses, and losses, and hurts, injustice. He called it, these inward trials are what God sent to accomplish what he prayed for. These inward trials I employ, from self and pride to set thee free, and break thy schemes of earthly joy, that thou mayest seek thy all in me. That was God's response. You asked to grow, to be more like Jesus, and here's how I do it. Look to Jesus, cling to him, and know that I'm using everything in your life. We're going to see this in Revelation this morning. I'm using the very hardships in your life to conform you to the likeness of Jesus Christ. Well, that's our prayer as we gather this morning as Covenant Life Church. Make us more like Jesus as we gaze upon him this morning and as we worship him together.